Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact His kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. Hey, I'm so glad you're here on the final day of our series, Making Change. Uh, If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And and as you're doing that, I want to share this thought with you real quick. Have you ever thought about how much change has happened in our world in the last hundred years? I mean, just thinking about it for a second, how differently our world is in the last hundred years. Uh, Time magazine did an article uh, some time ago called 80 Days That Changed the World. And they were significant dates that happened in the world. And many of them, you know, were directly in how they affected America. But I, I just want to share some of the, the 80 most important dates that Time Magazine shared that changed our world. September 25th, 1926, Henry Ford introduced the five-day work week. This was a decision to pay his workers more for less days of work, and it would allow his workers not only to have time to make vacations, but time to buy his automobiles. Great idea there, Henry Ford. May 1st, 1927, Charles Lindbergh made his first solo transatlantic flight. October 6th, 1927, the first talking movie called The Jazz Singer. November 18th, 1928, the debut of Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse. How many of y'all were around that? I didn't think so, okay. April 15th, 1938, the birth of the superhero. After six years, teenagers Jerry Siegel and John Schuster were picked up by DC Comics for the DC Comics for the first issue of Superman. Yeah, all the way back in 1938. Okay, June 6, 1944. We know this as D-Day. August 1945, atomic warfare bombs dropped on Hiroshima. April 15th, 1947, Jackie Robertson is the first African-American baseball player. And it was at that point that we began to refer to baseball as America's pastime after Jackie Robinson broke through. October 14th, 1947, the first flight to break the speed of sound. 
which was pretty awesome. February 28th, 1958, the discovery of DNA. Some of you go, I didn't realize that hadn't been around that long, that they didn't figure this out. Yeah, December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks arrested for refusing to give up her seat as a white passenger on a bus, to a white passenger on a bus. July 5th, 1954, this one's crazy. Elvis Presley botched a blues audition and it became the birth of rock and roll when he messed up That's All Right and it aired on a Memphis radio station two days later. That day changed American history. October 4th, 1957, the race to outer space began with an announcement from Moscow that they had a satellite in orbit. August 28th, 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. speaks of his dream to a crowd of over 200,000 in Washington, D.C. December 3rd, 1967, the first heart transplant. July 30th, 1969, man steps his foot on the moon. November 15th, 1971, the release of the microchip and the microprocessor. January 22nd, 1973, Roe versus Wade changed our world. April 1st, 1976, Steve Jobs and his friend named Steve Wozniak launched a company called Apple. And here's what they said. When we started this little partnership, it was like, hey, this will be fun. Why don't we see if we can make any money with it? Here's one that just is dear to my heart. May 25th, 1977, Star Wars hits the box office. Woo! Come on. November 6th, 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear that wall down. I, was, I remember that. August 6th, 1991, the birth of the internet. Wow, isn't it amazing how our world has changed? September 11, 2001, the terror attacks of New York City. January 22nd, 2017, the Atlanta Falcons beat the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> they are in the Super Bowl. Some of you say, did you do all that? No, I just made that up at the last minute. It wasn't even on my piece of paper. That's called freelancing, Okay. Here's the thought. So much change in our world. So much has changed in our world. You know, we, we say a lot of times that we struggle to embrace change because we don't understand the purpose of change. But think about if those changes would have never happened in our world, the world we would be living in today. Jesus had a moment with his disciples that I want to talk about today that I believe is a day that was not listed on here, but I believe it was a day that changed the world. And I want to start off by saying this today, because as I'm passionate about what I'm speaking to you about today, I, I think it's very important that you understand that today I'm very excited. I'm not passionate because I'm burdened. I'm passionate because I'm excited. Because what I want to talk to you today, I believe, is what God wants for America, what God wants for our cities, what God wants for our world. And if I know it's what God wants, then here's what it tells me. God's not mad at the world. And he still wants to change it. You see, there's a lot of people, they're shooting up flares and throwing up nuclear missiles saying, it's over, it's all done. You know, there's protesting in the streets and there's violence and there's all this stuff. And there's all these people running around like, hey, it's like a whole nother cultural Hiroshima. People dropping bombs. But I got really good news for you today. God's not mad at the world. In fact, after you hear this message today, I pray that everything in your world will forever change. 
and you would begin to see the world in your life and why you're still here breathing on this planet the same way God does. It's really encouraging. See, God's into building things. He's into building things. And he wants to build a culture through us as the church to where he can do anything at any time in this world. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, but there's a lot of people that say, oh, the the church is in trouble. The world is just overtaken. No, 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 listen. The church is not in trouble. Our world is in trouble, but the church is doing better than it's ever been. In fact, there are more people today who will walk into huts and homes and, and buildings and places and that will hear the name of Jesus and will, the Jesus will change their life. So I just got good news to you today. God wants to create an atmosphere where everything and anything is possible. How do you know that? God starts with impossible. You see, there's a lot of things we put our hope in that are just probable. But God starts with the impossible. Matthew chapter six, if you have your Bible, make sure you turn over there. You can find it in your Bible app. Jesus is talking about some things that are very important. In Matthew five, he talks of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. This is what I came for. This is what I came to bring into your life. This is what I wanna bring into the world. And then I, I want you to know this is the way I've designed you to live. And in Matthew six, he starts talking about this idea of prayer. Now, I, I wanna pose a thought to you before we read this passage. Do you realize in scripture, Jesus never gave us an antidote for unanswered prayer? Think about that for a second. He never told us what to do with unanswered prayer. You say, oh, yes, it does. The Bible says pray, seek. No, no, no. That's about moving towards God. He never says, when you pray to me and I don't answer, this is what you do. Because everything that we were to pray that was according to his will, God intended to do. And so God, Jesus, in this moment is telling his followers, he's saying, hey, guys, when you go out in public, don't be pious. Don't try to get everyone's attention. You know, don't, don't try to be seen by others. He said, but when you pray, I want to tell you how to pray. And then he says this, and I want you to know what you should pray for, which I think is awesome because I think it's like God wooing us saying, this is the change that I want to bring into your world to where your world would forever be different. Look at Matthew 6, starting with verse 9. The Bible says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many of you guys remember praying that in grade school? Yeah, everybody's prayed that prayer. Listen, people who, people who do crazy things pray that prayer. Like I was flipping through the channels the other day and there was some like mega metal death rock band and they were like, they were praying before they went out on their concert and they were praying, they were praying this prayer. And I heard the guy say, hey, let's pray the Lord's prayer. The only problem is this isn't the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples prayer. God didn't need to pray. Have you thought about that? (laughs) That would be awkward if God was praying to himself. But Jesus said, hey guys, when you pray, I want you to understand what I want for your world. So this was known as the disciples' prayer. And here's what's crazy. What he told them to pray for 
is the catalyst for change in my life, in your life, and in our world. It is the catalyst for change in our schools. It's the catalyst for change in our political situation. It's the catalyst for change in our finances. It's the catalyst for change in our communities. What Jesus told them to pray here could lower the crime rate in America. It could change teenagers from being strung out and addicted to drugs in our world. You say, well, how how could that be? I've prayed that prayer a million times. I I don't fully get it. Yeah, I remember one time our our football coach, he said, hey guys, we're gonna pray this prayer before we pray. And here's what we were saying. If we pray this prayer, certainly God will give us a victory. We went three and seven. (laughs) But here's what we did. We prayed this prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And and then I remember like right as we finished the prayer, like my coach like threw out this cuss word, like go, and I went, okay. And that's kind of how we view this prayer. But I want you to understand something. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was saying this phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. When you go back and pair uh, that passage apart and start studying it in the original language, the verb tense is not a request. It's a declaration. Did you hear that? It's not a request. It's not God. Like, God, can your kingdom come? God, can your will be done? Because that's how we've learned to pray this prayer. But what Jesus said here, he says, here's what you're doing. You're declaring kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. Did you hear that? It's different. Jesus is kind of giving us this idea of how he wants to make change in our world. And I love it because when he says this to us and and he's flipping it around, he's saying, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. He said, that's what you should ask for. And why did he want his disciples to declare this? Because there are things that are happening in heaven that should be happening on earth. And there are things that are happening on this earth that aren't happening in heaven and they need to stop. See, I see some of you shaking your heads. You're God, yeah, I get it, I get it. I understand now what Jesus was saying, right? Like, I get it. There are things that God says, I want what I have for you in heaven and, and you are here, you are left here and my Holy Spirit is inside of you and you are here so that my kingdom can come to this earth. That's why you're here. Some of you say, well, I thought I was just here to take up oxygen. I thought I was just here to beautify the place. No, Jesus said there are things that are happening in heaven that should be happening on earth. And then there are things that are happening on earth that aren't happening in heaven. And I've left you here to bring my kingdom. When Jesus first came onto the scene, one of the first things he told many of his followers, you can find it in the gospels, is these words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is among you. See, sometimes we hear that word kingdom of heaven and we don't fully understand it. We're gonna talk about it a little bit more tonight, but basically what he's saying is this. Heaven is a model for what should be happening here on earth. You go, I don't believe that, Sean, because I've been taught all my life that from the time in Adam and in Genesis 3 when we fell, we just gotta live in this sin-fallen, sickened world. 
Well, that would be true if the Holy Spirit wouldn't have come. But when the Holy Spirit came to this earth to live inside you and I, something came alive in us to be restored back to the original design that God wanted for us. And now we're partners with God to accomplish his work in this world. Changes everything. It changes everything. It's always been about just me aligning my heart to his so that what he wants for this world can be done through my life and through your life. And so I want to make this super awesome announcement to you, me, to you today. If you are breathing today in this room, and if you're not, let us know. We'll give you CPR, right? If you're breathing in this room today, God left you here to change this world. And think about how the enemy has made us think differently than that. I'm going to talk about that. How does God want us to change this world? I want to talk about two things today in this message. Number one, we have a divine assignment to make change. We have a divine assignment. You see, God wants us to bring the reality of heaven into this world. You say, Sean, I don't understand. There's so much crime. There's so much abuse. There's like, there's pornography and there's this and there's addiction. And, and so here's what happens. We've built cultures of churches where people come into the church and they say, can I bring my wounds in? And we say, yes, bring your wounds in. But I don't know about you. I don't want to go to a hospital where everyone dies, right? How many of you want to check yourself into an emergency room where they say, we have a hundred percent guarantee. If you come to our emergency room, you're going to die. I don't want to go to that place. I want to leave healed, right? <laughs> so God says this. He says, hey, you have a divine assignment to make change in this world and I want to do it through you. You came into this place because Jesus wants to heal you and he wants to set you free and he wants to send you back into this earth to make change. It's the beauty of salvation. It means I'm delivered from something to someone. Jesus made it very clear to his followers in John 20, 21. He says these words, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. You see, there's no such thing as surrogate spirituality because in the church, here's sometimes what we've done. I've got my problems. I've got my struggles. I've got to come to the church so the church can try to give me answers to my problems and struggles so that when I go back out into the world, I will do better at my problems and struggles. And so we have pastors and leaders and people and we kind of prop them up and say, hey, can I live surrogately spiritually through you? <laughs> Jesus says, no. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. God wants to use you. And I know what some of you are thinking. You don't understand how jacked up I am, Sean. Like God can't use a jacked up person like me. Listen, God's gonna use every single one of us that are willing to yield himself to what he wants for this world. I just believe that. You say, well, you're, you're talented. Certainly God's got, no, no, no. It's not because of your talent. It's because of who lives inside of me. Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and he lives inside of you. And here's what he's saying to the church in America. I want out. <laughs> Quit holding me in like it's a secret, right? So here, here's our struggle though. We've confused our destiny with our assignment. Write that down. We've confused our destiny with our assignment. See, here's our destiny. Our destiny is to go to heaven. But our assignment is to bring the reality of heaven to this earth. Two different things. 
And here's what we've made Christianity about. We, we, we've made Christianity about our destiny and not about our assignment. See, God wants us to confront the impossible problems of this world that we say could never change and watch what God does through us and watch them bow at the name of Jesus Christ. I've seen this happen in my own life. I'm beginning to pray. Our our staff is on a 40-day prayer journey right now. Today is day 29 of a 40-day journey that we're praying together as a staff team. And we're praying for radical change in our own lives and in our church. And one of the things that God continues to say to us over and over again is quit accepting the natural as normal. But that's what we do in our world. Hey, cancer, it's just natural. And people are gonna die of cancer. Yeah, but according to what God said, it's not normal. Right? So we see abuse. We see kids being abused in our community. And we go, yeah, kids are, as long as sin's in the world, no, no, no. That may be natural, but God says that's not my normal. And what God wants to do is he wants to replace our natural with his normal. Can I get an amen? How many of you are tired of living for the natural in your life? Right? Are you tired? I am. I'm tired of living for what's natural. I want what God says is normal. And when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he says, I want to show you what should be normal. Heaven coming to earth. This word kingdom, it means the king's dominion. Think about that word. The king's dominion. God says, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, I have dominion. You say, how do you know that? Look at Matthew 28 real quick. Matthew 28, we know this as the Great Commission, but maybe you've never seen the verse in this way. So I'm just gonna break it down for us real quick. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. We know this because Jesus said this before he left this earth, right? These were some of Jesus's last words to his disciples. And I think it's important to what we're talking about today, about making change in our world. Then Jesus came to them and said this, all authority in heaven and on earth. Where? In heaven and on earth. Where did Jesus say all authority? In heaven and where? On earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, a lot of times we focus so much on verse 19 that we forget what Jesus was really power, the, the, the power of the punch in verse 18 here. What Jesus is saying is this. Satan has convinced us that he has authority over this world and he only has power. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, here's what's weird about that. Jesus wasn't speaking to us as God in that moment. How would God say him to himself? I've got all authority. No, as if God lost it and got it back. That's how we kind of treat the Christian life sometimes. Like somehow God and Satan are equal and they're just kind of fighting it out. No, 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 no. I want to be very clear to you. Satan will never be equal with God. Right? So here's the thought. Here's the trick. He has tricked us into thinking that he has authority on this earth. And the truth is he only has power, but he has limited power. Why? Because he's like a branch that's cut off from your tree. You cut it off and it's still green, but it's dying. Satan's power is dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. Why? As the kingdom of heaven advances, the power that he has is lessened and lessened and lessened. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. He didn't speak to this to us as God. He spoke this to us as an older brother. 
I think this is so cool. Jesus was saying, what was stolen from you in a garden, I have brought back to you through a cross. I've given you a divine assignment. And he says, because this is true, because I went to hell, because I disarmed the the, the principalities, because I went to hell and I got the keys back for you, you go make disciples. Do you hear God wooing us into that? You go change the world. You go bring the reality of what's happening in heaven into this world. You see, we spend a lot of time trying to create social programs to change spiritual problems. But I want to tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, we are the solution to the world's problem. God has assigned us to change the problems that our world has accepted. Abuse, addiction, greed, hunger, but our struggle is we've made the Christian life something it's not. So I want to talk about that for a second. We give our life to Jesus. We struggle with sin. We're waiting to die and we're hoping heaven's better. Can I just call it out today? (laughs) Isn't that what most people think the Christian life is? I know Jesus saved me and so I'm just like, I'm just waiting for the day that I can get out of this place. And so we, I'm just gonna pick on it because I gotta go there, okay? Because I hear people say all the time, I don't believe in some of the songs we're singing in the church today. We need to go back to the hymns we used to sing years ago. Listen, I love hymns. They're deep in theology, they're great. But I wanna tell you, there's some hymns that may not have complete theology and I just wanna call it out to you today. When I was growing up, I met Jesus when I was 17 in our church. We would sing this about once a month. And I never found it out, but we never sing the third verse. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of churches, we skip the third verse. One day in heaven, we're gonna sing the third verse of every hymn that's ever been written, right? But we used to sing the song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. victory. I got a problem with that. Jesus died, he went to a tomb, in three days he came out, he's alive. He went to heaven, the Holy Spirit descended, he lives in us. And so this idea that I've gotta wait to heaven to get my victory is wrong. Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit is alive in me and I'm just telling you here today, I'm gonna sing and shout the victory now. I'm not waiting, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. This idea that I get saved and I just struggle with my sin and and God just loves me even though I'm a failure. But when I get to heaven, it'll be so much better. No, wait a minute. It'll get better when heaven comes here. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in where? Heaven. Sorry. Y'all, y'all just pray I don't read my Bible more, okay? Because this is what it's doing to me. See, our assignment is not to get people into a building. Our assignment is to get the kingdom into the streets. Did you hear that? Because for most American Christians, here's the decision that lays before them. Am I gonna go to church today? 
When the question we ought to be saying is this, am I gonna be the church today? Hey, I wanna tell you guys, church happens seven days a week. Did y'all know that? Because I happen seven days a week. I pray God will give me eight days, but he hadn't done it yet. But I want to tell you something. Our assignment is not to get people in a building. Our assignment is to get the kingdom of God in the streets. That hunger would be crushed. That abuse would be gone. That addictions would be broken. That people would be set free from sin. And that changes my whole perspective about my life. We are the change the world is waiting for. You remember that moment in the scripture when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. When you go to Israel, you travel from Caesarea to Tiberias. By the way, I'm so excited. We're going to be there in three weeks. And when you travel this highway about midway point, your, your leader looks at you and says, everyone look to the left. And it's dark throughout this whole valley. But all of a sudden, all you see is this one city full of lights. It's the city that Jesus referenced to when he said, you see that city? It can't be hidden. But I want to tell you something else about that light that we forget sometimes. I want, I want to show you this real quick, okay? So, so here's the thought. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, all right? So, so let's go there real quick, all right? Let's go there. If you were in a dark room and darkness was all around you, what would you be attracted to? Say it. What would you be attracted to? Yeah, you wouldn't say, hey, I think I need to go find another dark corner. I think, I, hey, do y'all know how we can get this place? I mean, that's, you wouldn't be saying that. Here's what you'd be saying. I would feel safe if I could just get to the light. That's us. You say, well, I'm scared. All this stuff's going on in my world. No, that's why God left me here. God left me here to be light in darkness. And I don't know about you, but I just want to light the place up. Amen? I just want to light it up. I just want to live lit. <laughs> I sense a t-shirt coming. Because God's given me a divine assignment. You know the other thing I know? He's given us authority to do our assignment. Matthew 18, or excuse me, Matthew 16. He's given us authority. I want to show you this. Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19. Jesus is asking Peter and his disciples, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he says, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And then he says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that for a minute, okay? How many of you guys would like a new set of keys to the Falcon Stadium? I would. Yeah, I just wanna tell the owner, listen, send me some keys, bro. Yeah, like if you had the keys to that place, how many of you just say, oh, I've got the keys. No, bro, you'd be hanging out in there, right? You'd be opening the dome. Hey guys, what's this, okay? What did keys represent? Authority. He says, I tell you that you're Peter, gates of hells won't stand against it, and I've given you keys of the kingdom 
of heaven. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And some of us go, oh my gosh, what does that mean? That's kind of freaking me out. Binding, loosing, what does all that mean? Listen to this translation. This is called the Williams translation of Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth, what must be what is already permitted in heaven. Listen, guys, there are things in our world that we've accepted as normal that God says, no, you change this world. You go make change. I've given you the authority to do it. See, Jesus didn't just get the keys back. He handed them to us. He says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, he's given us authority that matches what? His power. He's given us the keys. Say, how do I know God wants to use me to change the world? Because he said right there that you're the church. And and he said to the church, I've given you the keys. And things that shouldn't be happening in heaven, or excuse me, shouldn't be happening on earth. You just, you need to do what I tell you to do. Because you think that this world is running things. Listen, Satan has limited power. I have all authority. And then he says, I've given it to you. I've given you all the authority that matches the power. And I just want to remind us today, the church is not subject to the world. The world is subject to the church. Did you hear what I just said? We keep acting like the world can take something away from us. Oh, if we don't go out and politically march, they're going to do this. No, 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 no. Quit acting like the political systems are going to change this world. The church of Jesus Christ is going to change this world. And we're going to change it through the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is his love and his grace and his mercy and his goodness. And he's wooing us saying, will you really believe that I want to bring heaven to this earth through you? And I want to tell you as your pastor, I think that's why I'm still here. We have all of the authority at our access when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, here's what I love. We've been authorized to change the world. We've been authorized. You ever gone in and swiped your card? You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to buy this car. I'm going to buy this purchase, whatever. And you go swipe the card and it says on the front, it says authorized. How crazy would it be for you to hand that card back to them and say, oh, I think I still need to pay for this. No, no, no. Your, Your transaction's been authorized. This is what God's saying to us. I want to bring heaven to earth through you because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And the reason that you're still here is to go make change. And you need to quit accepting what is natural in this world as normal in the Christian life because it's not. And you don't need to be angry with people. Listen, the world's just being the world. We are the light of the world. Our job is to turn our light on. We're to get lit so everyone will want to be attracted to what we have in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? It's not about us. Listen, light is light. Light doesn't have a name. It's just called light. The world is waiting. We keep saying, God, I want you to change the world. God, I want you. God's saying, when are you going to let me change your world? Because I want to use you to change the world. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. 
If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.